Hey guys, we're back after taking the most much needed seven day summer vacation. And when we say much needed, we are not exaggerating. We are there. not. So yeah, your murder girls are back and we're going to do a two part episode for you guys today. First episode is airing this week. Second episode is airing next Friday. Don't hate us. It's the first time we've done it. Exactly. And we want to see how it goes. Yeah. So, as always, we are your hosts. I'm Raina. And I'm Marie. And we're not trying to leave you in any sort of suspense with this two-part series. It's just but... really long. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know how long. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I could sit through, like, yeah. I don't know. We like that you guys, like, are remotely short. So we're just going to break it up for you. Yeah. So we've missed you guys. And we hope you're enjoying your maskless summer. I know I so am. Far. Oh my god, I can breathe. I just went to Mexico and I was texting Raina. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's so nice down here. No the masks, except for the plane ride. Pictures are beautiful. Those plane, plane rides are a mother. It. I had to get on a plane ride, and when I got oh. to the airport, they're like, "You need a mask." I'm like, "On the plane, right?" And they're like, "The whole time." And I'm like, oh, "This is great. Thanks." I know. Except for when you're eating or drinking. I know. I'm like, "What is this? January?" It's a nightmare. <laughs> and plus, like, what else? you do on a plane besides eat and drink eat and drink right yeah we had this whole <laughs> literal like three minute long lecture about how like the faa will like ground the plane you get fine and all the staff will be fired and, and i was like horrible thing but then like we even tucked our mask down to like have a drink in the stewardess i'm not saying what airline came up she's like mask up please i'm like can i finish my water <laughs> jeez okay <laughs> Huck. Oh my gosh. Things were way more relaxing down in Mexico. Just I know. There. I bet. <laughs> All right. Okay, so like Raina said, we're going to get into the first part of this two-part case. So let's jump into it. Yes. This story has way more twists and turns, and then it gives you a few more. Oh, so my God. try to keep up. Yeah. More than I could have imagined, and when we started researching it, I would like text her. I'm like, wait. Something more happened. Now there's more. Wait, there's more. I'm like, there's an update. (laughs) It's insane. It was crazy. And you guys have probably seen it on the news. So it actually happened June 7th of this year. And today's story is out of South Carolina, where a very wealthy, prominent family has been tied to quite a few deaths in the sleepy little tight-knit town. So does the family's status of long legal ties somehow keep this family protected? Mm. Were investigations into deaths botched by the investigators due to maybe a conflict of interest? Yeah, we have a ton of questions surrounding the Murdoch family and all of the suspicion that's around them and this whole thing that has just plagued them. On June 7th, 2021, Two of the Murdoch family members were found murdered in the late hours of the night, found dead on their sprawling estate. So everybody wants to know what is going on in this little town of Islandton? Who killed Maggie and her son Paul Murdoch? Two of these well-liked members of this prominent family. And what could have possibly been the motive behind the slayings? This was our question, and as we continue to uncover more and more details about this family, it seems totally possible mm-hmm. that someone did want them dead and did have a motive. A pretty good motive, too, because... Well, we're not saying we condone murder. No, we're not saying, but there's always a we're motive just... behind it, right? <laughs> I'm not saying they should have killed them, right. but... No, but just we kidding. Want a little, we want to know why. <laughs> 
So our question was too, did the murder of this mother and son have anything to do with a current civil case against the family and the current criminal case against the 19-year-old Paul Myrtle? He was 19 at the time of this tragic boating accident, and this happened back in 2019, and sadly, a young woman was killed in that accident. So there's rumors swirling that Paul could have possibly been tied to another unsolved case, and it was another teenager within that community. So with 19-year-old Paul now tragically shot dead, the criminal charges against him are obviously dropped. The civil lawsuit against the Murdoch family is still moving forward. So let's dive into what we do know about the Murdoughs and the case surrounding this third-generation family of lawyers. We're going to start at the beginning and then bring you guys up to date. And FYI, there are still updates on this case daily. So we are going to do our very best in between our 9 to 5 to keep (laughs) all of you guys updated on everything that we know. If we know, you know. We keep refreshing it at work every hour. I'm like, any new updates? (laughs) No. All right. So we'll start with the family. The Murdoch family is a household name in South Carolina. I mean, seeing as though they come from a long line of a legal, powerful law firm that dates back almost a century. The family's law firm website states that the Murdoch family served as solicitor for 87 consecutive years. This 87 years of service in one office by one family is the longest in history of the United States. That's a long time to be practicing law, so we can only assume... This family would probably know all the (laughs) The ins and outs outs of the law, right? (laughs) Okay. The family consisted of Alex and his wife, Maggie. They were the wife and husband. And then they had two sons, Paul and Richard. And they called Richard Bustard. That was his nickname. So these guys had vacation homes, boats, money, luxury. They had this sprawling estate and they used it more for hunting and that estate was tucked off Mazole Road, and that was in Islandton, South Carolina. Now, Alex worked for his lifestyle like from the beginning for his family. He had a bachelor's degree in political science and a Juris Doctor degree from the University of South Carolina School of Law. He had met his wife, Maggie, back in the 80s when she was a sorority girl at the USC. So they wed and soon became, you know, the leading family in Hampton County. The Murdoch family ran the prosecution's office in five of the counties that make up Low County, South Carolina. It was called the Peter, Murdoch, Parker, Ellsroth, and Dietrich. Yeah. Now, this firm was actually started by Alex's great-grandfather, Randolph Murdoch Sr., and he started it on his own by himself back in 1910. Then 10 years after that, he himself, you know, he went on to become a local prosecutor. So the family has been around, obviously, as you guys can see, quite some time. <laughs> a little too just long. Just a little. Just a little long. And the sons, they decided to take after their father, you know, diving right into law. Alex currently is a part-time prosecutor for the 14th Judicial Circuit, and he's also a personal injury attorney with the family's law firm. So like we said, if you can imagine within this tight legal family, it's like some sort of a dynasty, but if there was any sort of legal trouble they would get into, they would know what's going on. Like they're not dumb. And that's kind of where the first part of the story is going to start. And we're going to take you back to 2019. So the first tragedy to strike this family struck on the night of February 23rd, 2019 at about 7 o'clock p.m., 
when a group of six teenagers, including the now-deceased Paul Murdaugh, would hop onto the Murdaugh family boat to cruise over to hit up a local oyster roast on Pocky Island, which didn't seem like the best idea, being that it was super foggy out on the water and the weather was terrible. It was gloomy and dark and it just wasn't the best day to take out a boat. So the group of friends boarded this 17-foot-long boat that was docked at the Murdoch family property. Isn't that nice? I want to take my boat to the local oyster. I want to take my boat to the local 1909. (laughs) Okay, so the group made quite a few stops on the way out that day, but the most significant spot was at that oyster roast. So while they were at the fest, it was clear to those who were also attending this function that the group had been pretty tipsy. It was clear that they had had quite a few drinks between all of them. They were acting a little buzzed and it was something that did not go unnoticed. In uh, multiple articles that we read, people at the Oyster Fest had actually tried to convince the group to not take their boat back home that night. I mean, it was clear to everybody that was there that they should not be behind the wheel. Rather, call an Uber and get a ride that way. And some concerned guests even offered to drive the group home themselves. So obviously, they can tell something's off. I can just like picture it. Yeah, Yeah, like everybody's like, they're the talk of the oyster roast, Mm. not the amazing oysters. So around midnight, Paul being the driving force in this group made it clear that he wanted to drive his boat back. Not a good combination of factors. So we have the bad weather, intoxicated group of friends. It's like pitch black outside. Not a good good idea, child. Just take the freaking Uber. (sighs) So at some point, they jump back on the boat. And as they're heading back home, there's this big blowout argument. And another stop is prompted at a bar in Beaufort. So all of the friends go into the bar, they're doing their thing, and another argument between the group erupts because apparently not everybody wanted to be there. Like it's been a super long day and some of the friends just wanted to be home. And with alcohol involved, Mm -hmm. it was just a total shit show. So after they somewhat simmer down, the group boards back onto the boat for the last time in the direction of their final destination, which is the Murdoch family home. Well, Paul, a little bit more tipsy than he was at the Oyster Fest, gets super erratic and his behavior is just super unwarranted and he begins fighting with one of his friend's girlfriends that was on the boat. And it was later said in a testimony given by one of the friends who was witness to this that Paul had apparently slapped the girlfriend, was yelling and cussing at her, and then he, like, strips his clothes off in 40-degree weather. Mm, Like, how drunk are we? you've got to be pretty intoxicated to be doing all that. So with all of this and Paul's drunken freaking tirade, the friends on the boat say that Paul was still, again, adamant that he was going to be the only one to drive the boat when everybody was just trying to get him to let somebody else take over, which is so scary. So scary because you're like, obviously we can see that something's wrong with you. You're drunk. Let someone who's, you know, maybe not drunk drive the boat home. That'd be terrifying. I would be terrified. I would jump Especially off on water. Yeah. No, totally. just let me out here. I'll walk home. I know. <laughs> on water. Yeah. I'll swim to shore, walk home in the middle of the <laughs> night. I'm a <laughs> 
So there they all go. Now it's about 2.30 in the morning and Paul is their captain. He turns the boat in the direction of the house and slams on that throttle full speed. This would lead Paul to crash the boat into a rock piling near a bridge crossing at Archer's Creek, which was near Paris Island. All six teenagers were ejected from the boat on impact. So in the darkness, pitch black, 2.30 in the morning, they're just yelling for one another. They're trying to regroup. Someone call 911. Where's so-and-so? I can only imagine the chaos that these kids have now gotten themselves into. Right. So one person in their group could not locate Mallory Beach. They were screaming her name. She's nowhere to be found. One of the teens actually leaped back into the water, into this cold, freezing water, searching anywhere for her, you know, while everyone's just, the others on shore are trying to call 911. So as the police begin to arrive on scene, Mallory is still nowhere to be found. That's so scary. They're looking in the water. They're looking on the rocks. They cannot find her. At the scene, the EMS, they noted that the group was, in their report, they said, grossly intoxicated, and that Paul had his brother's ID on him, not his own ID, which would indicate how the group was even able to even purchase alcohol that night because Buster, he was of age. He was over 21. So as the teens were being transferred to the local hospital, they're still out there searching for Mallory. I mean... I can't even imagine being out there yelling her name, not being able to see her. It's got to be terrifying. The police reported to the state that Paul was acting uncooperative. He was belligerent and almost aggressive towards the responders, which they're there to help you, Paul. Do not be aggressive towards them. Right. At the hospital, the Murdoff family, patriarch Alex, and the grandfather end up showing up. They get on site at the hospital and they tell the officers, hey, we're lawyers. And they said at that time, all interviews had to stop. They blocked Paul and they blocked any sort of field sobriety tests. Oh. Uh, I think that's strange, but it's not my family. Back at the boat crash scene, the search for Mallory continued and it ends at nightfall with no trace of her. They cannot find her anywhere. And her family, as you can imagine, is grieving desperately. I mean, they want to know where their daughter is. Sadly, they would have to wait days. Because on March 3rd, yeah, almost a week later on March 3rd at 1.20 p.m., a volunteer found Mallory's deceased body, and it was in the swampy area of the river. Mallory was laid to rest at an open funeral on March 7th. Over 500 people attended her service at the Open Arms Fellowship Church. The reverend at her service said the following. She left early. She went young. She loved her family. She loved her friends. She loved her rescued pets. I am blown away by the legacy this teenager leaves behind. I mean, it just goes to show really how special Mallory was and the kind of person that she would have gone on to become. It really is a tragic story. Her whole life is just gone in an instant. Mm -hmm. And for such a stupid reason. I was just going to say that. And, you know, I was going to be like, you know what? And that just goes to show, don't be fucking stupid. Get in the Uber and go home. Just get in the Uber. Just get in the Uber. Dude, or walk your ass. It pisses me off because his young life was lost over the stupidest reason. So in April of 2019, Paul was indicted on charges relating to Mallory's death. He was charged with boating under the influence causing death and two counts of boating under the influence causing great bodily injury. Paul, at the time of the indictment, pled not guilty to all of the charges. He was never arrested or ever spent any time in jail. He went to the initial hearing 
and was then released on a $50,000 personal recognizance bond. And these are some super serious charges. And dude, the chick lost her freaking life and Paul's just released to do whatever he wants. We obviously have major issues when people get off on bond. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It hits a soft spot for us, okay? Sure does. So in a personal recognizance bond, it's seriously, it's like a fucking pinky promise. It's when a judge allows a defendant to be released without any sort of deposit or collateral. The defendant just has to promise to appear in court. And as long as they keep coming to every hearing, they're good. So check this out. That night of the boat crash, all of the responding agencies had super close ties to the Murdoch family. So they end up all recusing themselves, which means that they completely remove themselves from this case. So they have zero conflict of interest. So none of them had any part in any of the upcoming court hearings. Paul was asked to surrender his passport, but the judge said that he was free to travel the state and when the state requested that he wear a GPS monitor as well as an alcohol monitor, the judge said that that just wasn't necessary and he wouldn't impose it. Then, in July of this same year, his bond was lowered and he was allowed to have a more expansive like travel boundaries. Because <laughs> where's he going to go though? A year later, following Mallory's death in March 2020, her mother files a wrongful death suit against the Murdoch family on behalf of Mallory. Now, this is something that's interesting because in the suit, Paul himself was not named. His father, Alex, was named along with his brother, Buster. And the convenience store that sold the alcohol to the group of kids that night, Parker's 55, they were also named inside of that lawsuit. Now, during this time, the Murdoch family's personal insurance carrier files their own lawsuit in a federal court case asking to be removed from any financial responsibilities regarding Alex and Buster Murdoch, which in my mind totally makes me wonder, Was the company like, F this, we don't want to assume any of the costs pertaining to this trial? Or are there conditions like written into the policy? Where like, what if the insurance company does get word something's going on? They can't just like drop their customer or can they? I don't know. Can somebody write us in? I deal with homeowner's insurance more, not this type of, but it's almost, I would think that they're like, fuck, we're about to have to surrender some serious cash on behalf of this family. And whatever was in that lawsuit was enough for them to say, we're not going to pay it. Oh so my god, kind of like want out. kind of like Britney's team. Kind of like Britney's team. They're like, <laughs> we don't want it. We're not paying this out. You know, we didn't do it. Our insurance for them only covers X, Y, and Z. And the mortal's like, well, we're not going to pay for it, so we're going to file with our carrier. And the carrier's like, we're not assuming responsibility. So whatever know. dollar amount it is, it had to be high enough for their carrier to be You're like, like I'm out. This, I'm out. Get me out of this case or, as fast as you can. Right. So as of February of this year. This insurance company is still Mm. actively trying to be removed from the Murdaws as customers. So this has not been resolved in a court of law yet. Not, but they might have to pay out some serious cash. Well, there was an attempted mediation with Renee to settle the suit, but that totally failed. So we're going to trial. Going to trial. See y'all in South Carolina. (laughs) All right. So I have like a question: Is Paul getting some sort of treatment due? to his family's status here. I mean, to be released on that bond, we see people get way higher bonds for, like, way lesser crimes. I've seen on court TV. I watch it all the time. Yeah. And then he gets his bond reduced. He didn't even get arrested or was detained. He didn't spend any time in jail. I mean, 
is it true? Is the Murdoch family ties keeping him protected? Absolutely. Anybody with money, anybody with ties is going to be more protected regardless of what anybody says. Why the fuck do you think Bill Cosby was just freed? Mm, true. And for what reason? Everything was just completely dropped. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't know. They they didn't even make him take a breathalyzer. I was going to say that. back to the court. Yeah. They, his dad like shows up in jail and he's like, no questions, no interviews, no breathalyzer. Like, and the what? cops on the scene described them and Paul as grossly intoxicated. While they were searching for a dead girl's body that was caused by Paul and his recklessness. And not he wasn't obviously. She was uh, sadly yes, Mallory did die, but everyone sustained injuries yeah. in that accident. Yeah. Everyone was injured. Mm-hmm. And Paul just is going to go hang at home until he shows up for his next court hearing and travel within certain boundaries. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not digging it. <laughs> This wasn't the only, believe it or not, you guys, this was not the only tragedy that this family has been tied to. Back in 2015, a 19-year-old local teenager by the name of Stephen Smith was found deceased off Sandy Run Road in Hampton, and this was on July 8th, 2015. So Sandy Run, I'm a Google freak, so I get on Google, and I find that Sandy Run Road is not very far from the Murdaugh's property, mind you. It's very close. Uh Uh-oh. So police responded to the scene for a call of a traffic fatality. But I don't know, was this really a traffic fatality? Steven's family thinks that it's far from that. The officer arrived on the scene shortly before 5 a.m. and he found Steven in the center of this road with his head completely bashed in. Now two, approximately two to three miles down the road, His car was there, the car was at a gas, and the gas cap had been, you know, left open on the car. On Steven's body was his keys, his wallet, and his cell phone was inside one of his pockets. So initially, the investigators, they come to this conclusion that Steven ran out of gas, he set out on foot to go get some more, and he was struck and killed by a passing truck. That truck sideswiped Steven, left him for dead in the Mm. middle of this abandoned road. Yet, when we did some digging, in one of the police reports, it clearly stated that there was zero evidence to support that theory of a hit and run by truck. So, they complete the autopsy on Stephen, and they find that he had died due to blunt force trauma. He had a gaping hole in the side of his head, 7.25 inches, you guys. That is a big gaping hole. That's huge. He also had damage to the right side of his head, all the way from his eye socket to the back, and his right shoulder had been dislocated. Now, when he was found, he was fully dressed, shoes and all. The coroner said that she had sided with that theory that, yes, Stephen had tragically died in a hit and run, and his injuries were consistent with that. Yet, if anybody watches CSI, there was no glass found on the road. So if a truck slammed into Stephen's body, there would be some sort of transfer, glass, maybe from the light on the truck. Something would have been on the ground. Another thing that doesn't add up, if you're hit by a semi or a truck, wouldn't your clothes be messed up? Like, wouldn't so some only, part of your body be disheveled? You'd and, be thrown. Yeah, the only thing that was wrong with Stephen was the damage and to trauma his to his head. That doesn't the make any... The rest of his body was fine. So unless he had, like, his head... <laughs> I no. mean, I'm not trying to be a dick, Unless he had but, like, his head and just, like, in, and his body wasn't... There's yeah, no way. There's no way. And another thing in one of the reports, it said that, you know, his phone was in his pocket. If I get hit by a car, my phone is not going to perfectly stay in my pocket. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. No. 
So the evidence at the scene of where Stephen was found showed that there was zero movement of Stephen's body. It appeared as if he was placed right in the middle of the road, possibly to make it look like an accident. So now years have gone by and Stephen's mother, Sandy, has been saying for six of those years that she believes someone beat her son to death and believes that someone in the area has been going to great lengths to keep this crime covered up. She believes it was murder. In December of that same year, the detective's office received an anonymous tip that stated that Paul and his brother Buster Mm. may have been involved in Stephen's death. The state trooper who was the lead on this investigation spoke out to Fox News and said that he was diving into the case surrounding Stephen's death and that he was hitting major roadblocks because there were a lot of people who would not assist or even remotely communicate with him regarding the case, the Murdoch family being some of those people. They were super tight-lipped about speaking on anything that the investigators question them on pertaining to Stephen's case. So you know what that means. From that point on, the case began to cool down, cool down until it became cold. So there have been no suspects or arrests in this case to date. One more thing that frustrated that lead on the case was that He said, if you don't have any evidence to make someone legally speak with you regarding a case, you pretty much have to depend on those individuals somehow, some way to come and start talking to you voluntarily. When he was asked if some of those individuals were members of the Murdoch family, like that he was waiting for them to come to him voluntarily, he bluntly said yes. I saw it and I got chills. I I know, I saw it too. Oh, this guy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I guess I don't really understand. If Paul and Buster didn't have anything to do with Stephen's death, why not speak to the investigators? Right. Why not? If you don't have anything to, you know hide or you don't have anything i mean a tip came into the police station with your name on it if a tip comes in with my name on it and you want to talk to me yes what why is my name on that tip i want to know exactly you know what i mean i want to know makes them look shady another question is why would they want steven dead now we don't know the relationship between these teenagers just seems like a lot of mystery what did you know what happened there i read it in an article steven's mother sandy also said that she believed that her son was possibly murdered because he was gay. So this is like a possible hate crime, right? I mean, (sighs) once again, we don't know the ins and outs or what happened back then, but what we can tell you is this case in Stephen's death has been officially reopened. And they are going to be taking another hard look at what or who killed Stephen that night. I'm getting chills saying that Good. because I like hope it's like a whole the new justice group. for the mother to find out what really happened. A whole new group of investigators need to take a look at it. Absolutely. So Sandy Smith stated that after Paul and his mother Maggie were shot dead on June 7th, she received a call stating that they were reopening Stephen's case based off of information they had gathered while investigating the mother and son's murder, which. Dude, totally pisses Sandy off. and she It would piss me off, every too. Every right. She was like, nobody cared about my son's death or any of the requests that she had been making for over six years after the death of her son. And now she may find out the truth because this prominent family was involved. 
I get it. Yeah. I get it. I'd absolutely be She's pissed like, too. why did anybody care about Steven then? And why now? Well, like, now because I, we found evidence while we were investigating that, you know, you're right. Maybe your son really was murdered. So now we're going to take another look. Yeah. That's so jacked up. Especially because prior to that, she was like writing letters to the attorney general. She wrote letters to the FBI, mm -hmm. like pleading for somebody to please take a look at her son's case. And basically, I mean, I don't know, but it seems like nobody gave a shit from what she's saying. And that's until now so messed up. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's this case is developing. When I saw that they were looking back into Stephen's case, I was like, oh, my gosh, this story just you, it just goes on and on. There's all these things tied to this family. And like Raina said. Three different cases. It's yeah, huge. We're going to keep. Well, and then there was one. Well, we're not going to spoil it next week. We have a little more to add to the story with another <laughs> another mysterious case tied to the family. But it just keeps going on. So we're going to take a break at this point. Like we said, we'll be back next Friday for part two. And we have a lot more to uncover for you. Seriously. Thank you guys so much for downloading today's episode. Set your podcast apps to automatically download all of your Murder Girl episodes. It is the only way that we can achieve true success. It sucks, but our success depends on you, you. guys downloading those episodes. So we will see you back here next week for part two. And we can't wait. As always, we hope you all have a safe weekend, and we'll see you then. Bye, Bye guys. guys.